Blue-White Weekend still cleaning up some things from how the weekend went. It is a Wednesday, but that's when we do our BWI Live Penn State football show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Nate Bauer, and Sean Fitz with me, as always, wrapping up the spring. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show today. Um, we got some things coming up with the portal, of course. We'll be talking uh, to James Franklin between the lines and, of course, the BWI mailbag at the end of the show. So there's a lot of great stuff on the uh, on the docket for today but uh nate how are you doing today what's the situation in your household <laughs> what uh it's uh, you know it's always frantic i have a car inspection today so i dropped that off and now i'm here and i'm ready to talk about penn state football and basketball i can't wait yeah um let's start there because uh, we talk about recruiting we focus a lot on penn state football but uh, it was a big weekend for, I imagine, all the sports, but especially basketball. So um, you got anything coming up this week about that? I have the juice. Ooh. I got it. It's happening. Wow. There's, uh, there's some hoops juice. We've got uh, Penn State basketball visitors coming uh, over the next couple of weeks. Some uh, reactions, some guys that are still in the portal uh, from Penn State going one way or the other. Obviously, Jameel Brown broke earlier this week on Monday is returning to Penn state. So that's big news for, for Mike Rhodes and his staff. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things, the, uh, the season ends and it was such a whirlwind. Um, and for as much activity as there was during that process for, for Penn state basketball, like this is just 10 times that, right. It just, <laughs> you just a new coach and a completely rebuilt roster. So uh, always, always stuff going on. Check me out. Yeah. Great time to tell you blue white illustrated.com is the place to get that information from Nate sign up right now and get access for 29 99 until the start of Penn State football all the way through the end of August and the regular season begins. Great time also to remind you to like this video and subscribe to blue white illustrated on YouTube. So you don't miss any breaking news. We've had so many commitments over the last couple of days. All those you can check out Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, our commitment videos, of course, are the breakdowns at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Fitz, we're going to get to you here in just one second, but because it was Blue White weekend, we got to get a Blue White game recap from everybody. So the Blue White game has come and gone. And uh, I'm just going to have a conversation about it today to start the show. So, Fitz, um, one thing I always like to ask Nate is, like, since you, if you've watched the game back since the first time watching it live, anything change about your opinion of what you saw? Not particularly. I mean, I, I think I came away with a sense that Penn State has a lot to work on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think that's breaking news or anything like that. The quarterbacks, I think, did some really nice things, but I think you see a lot of of, of that process coming through. And that's what we said coming into spring. This wasn't going to be a situation where you snap your fingers and all of a sudden Drew is is a guy that's you know pr- producing at the same level that Sean was at the end of his career. Um, so I think that there's, you know, I think it's good to see that for Penn State fans to keep expectations in check. I think this is going to be a really good football team, a uh, ton of talent everywhere. But at the same time, it's a process and we're going to see that mm-hmm. process come to fruition. I liked it that they got out there and got those young receivers reps. And, you know, we, I, I still think Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace have work to do. But like you need to figure out the bottom of that rotation um, if you're going to have any chance. And, and what that comes to play is. How are they going to work with personnel groupings? How are they going to work Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren? And do you go two two tight ends, two receivers as your 
not your base package, but like, the, is that how you attack teams? So I think there's a lot of uh, moving parts. Um, I mean, it, very vanilla game plan in terms of offense, which you would yeah. expect for, you know, whether your quarterback's a fourth year starter or a first year starter, you're not going to throw too much at the, uh, at them in the spring game, a, a limited uh, amount of personnel packages and things like that. So like it, it it's overreaction season. I, I didn't get too high or too low off of this. I saw some good things, saw some things that need to work on. And that's what yeah. you expect coming out of spring ball. Did you see enough from, uh, and this is something I've talked about in terms of, I think you make a great point when you mentioned not too many personnel packages, not too many things that probably aid the quarterback, you know, advantages that the offense can use that you want to keep under wraps for the regular season. So that's also a part of when you, when you evaluate a player is the, the environment in which they're playing, I guess, from, from the perspective of Aller. Did you see enough of the special stuff? Some of the things that you want to see flash of, oh, wow, that's different than what we saw with Sean Clifford or from quarterbacks in the past. That Did you see enough of that to make you feel like this year could be special? And again, not to take too much, but also just, you know, the hints of what might be there. Yeah, I hate to take too much out of that, but like the little things where he's under pressure and all of a sudden he flicks it 30 yards. You know, it's it, it's those little things that can get him out like, I don't want to say the margin of error because we're going to focus on that sidearm throw and that sidearm throw was great, but like, that's not, you don't want that to be his game, but yeah. you want to have that. I think, I think his trainer, Brad said, you, you have that in your tool belt. He has that in his tool belt. He has the ability to get away. He's also huge. Like he's very, very big and can withstand, you know, sort of like the Roethlisberger thing where it was tough to take him down, even though, you know, he was not the elu- most elusive uh, quarterback in the league. So he, he's he got a lot of those things that I think can extend plays. And when he can extend plays, he's got the arm to really just turn it into something legitimate or even crazier, throw the ball away, throw the ball out of bounds. And that sometimes <laughs> yeah. is the best play. So uh, I, I think he's got some of that going. I was I was while we're on quarterbacks impressed by the way that Prabula was able to release the ball. Like he, mm-hmm. he's never had the cleanest release. And, you know, we saw it like first, first drive, he threw that wheel route and it was pretty, I mean, it was a legitimate pretty pass regardless of who was throwing the ball. So um, I, I saw enough that I feel pretty decent about that coming out of it. Again, a lot of work to do. Um, the other thing, and you kind of alluded to this is they're not scheming up a game plan to beat Penn state's defense. They're not scheming up a game plan to beat the opposition. Like they're scheming up their stuff to run their bread and butter, to run the the, the plays that they're, or, or the base packages and everything like that. And you're not going to get too far removed from that stuff. And I think that needs to be taken into account. Uh, protection needs to be better. Uh, you're going to get an all American offensive tackle back. So that kind of helps, but right. you know, you want to see Caden Wallace be better. You want to see Drew Shelton be better. We, we're, we're so convinced after seeing Drew Shelton as a freshman that he's going to step in and be the guy. And he showed he has a long way to go as well. So yeah. little things like that. And and I think it's it's fine to come away with this game, come away from this game and say, hey, his defense is going to be fantastic. Like this defense is going to be awesome. Um, but most of what we're going to talk about coming out of the spring game is going to be on the offensive side of the ball for good reason. Yeah. Uh, and, and Nate, I well, let's go right to you about that. Anything um, Bo Perbula related. We talked about Drew Aller. Anything Bo Perbula related that stood out to you, or just generally your what you take away from the game as well? Because I don't want to pin you down to something that maybe yeah. it's not. You don't have any interest in talking about. I kind of want to just talk about the game. Like what 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 do you think about what you saw? Well, honestly, I don't think it's getting enough attention, but I, I would assume that you guys feel the same way. Uh, Mike Yersich's clock management there at the end of the first half. Really. 
Um, yeah, he he lit him up though. Like you, you're making a joke, but he lit him up when he didn't spike yeah. the ball. So like, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if you were watching at that point, but you just made a salient point here, uh, yeah. whether you tried to or not. So no, I, Franklin well, Franklin was po'd. You but, saw but, him go from sideline from the midfield to sideline very. But quickly. that's part of the learning thing. Is it? It's great that he can throw the ball and throw the hell out of it. Like it's fantastic. But like those are the things that are going to you know, save you three points here, get you three points, you know, that. so those are the things. And, and I keep saying the same thing about these quarterbacks. Sean Clifford was so great before the snap, like putting guys in the right position to get in the right position when the play starts after the play starts kind of hit and miss. Uh, these guys need to get there. And that's where they're, you know, that's where we weren't going to see anything like that in the spring game, because you're not really asking guys to make checks and things like that. You're going to go back in the film room and talk about that. Um, but, you know, that's that's where they need to make the big strides and clock management falls into that as well. Yeah, I'll be uh, giving some of my thoughts on the quarterbacks today. Hopefully, bluewhiteillustrated.com with a film breakdown of those guys. Uh, there's some interesting things that I that I picked up from that I do think you can take away even from spring game in terms of reading the field, play under pressure, some of the things that um, I, more people were open than I think that uh, it seemed like at first glance. Now, they weren't at certain points as well, but it was just an interesting uh, first half, second half dichotomy from the quarterbacks too. A lot of that to get into. Um, and again, we'll, we'll check that out, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Nate, you, you can you say yeah, something? Yeah, I, I mean, I was just going to ask, is it, I mean, uh, this might be a dumb thing to ask, but uh, right, like checks dig the long ball, home runs, we, we talk about that constantly. And... But there wasn't like we don't have any idea where that is. At least I don't think. I don't think that we were able to get that from the game yeah. in terms of where Aller and his receivers are in terms of those connections because they didn't. They yeah, didn't make any as far so as so there. There were a couple of plays where it was designed that way, and Aller chose to check it down or go to a second read. And, and those are the situations that I'm talking about. So there, there were some in the first half. Now, later on in the game, the defense was playing a lot of too high safety coverage. So there wasn't there weren't as many. And uh, that probably because the end of the game and how that felt, that's, I think, accurate, where there was a lot of checking the ball down. There was a lot of it's designed to go deep, but the linebackers and safeties were playing so deep that then the underneath routes were open. So um, it's a mixed bag. I, I, and that's that's kind of the there were some opportunities. They were obviously under pressure because nothing was clean for these guys on Saturday. And that was kind of the point is stress them, put them in an environment where they're going to get pressure at some point this year. And can they then continue to process and go through their, their reads and stuff like that. So from the quarterback perspective, I I think it was uh, learning some of those things that as Fitz talked about, these are young guys. So they're not going to be perfect. They're not going to have all of these things down, but it's what are the indicators? What are the, okay, he leans towards this. And for me, an, an area just where Perbula is so quick in his decision-making, he is precise. And sometimes I think, you know, he did a good job, make the joke of throwing the ball away a couple times, maybe a little too quickly, but he has that maturity about him to say, okay, this play is dead. And I'm not going to be able to do too much about it. The The problem is then when you, you throw the ball away three times and then you take a sack by falling on your butt 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage with Zane Duran at your feet. Like, so again, even there, a little mixed bag of decision-making p- play under pressure and, and um, kind of the tidiness of those environments where you're, you're not 
having all of those advantages of they weren't running a ton of RPOs. They weren't running a lot of complex formations and packages. Um, uh, something that I want to get to that I think we, we talked about in our post game, the guys that stood out, Denai Dennis Sutton, KJ Winston. I, I tend to gloss over the obvious at times, but they were awesome. I do want to talk about underrated performances. Fitz, do you have anybody that upon going back and like thinking about it that you said, yeah, that guy actually was, was, really good but i didn't notice it for one reason or another so we knew this guy was really good before but katron allen like he, he got a lot of time uh not only as a as a running back four carries for 15 yards but also as a receiver um made a really nice catch behind his head on a on a ball that was kind of pitch and catch from drew um that was not a very good throw um so i i liked what i saw from katron allen um it we like i said we're gonna overlook those running backs because like we know what they are we we believe we know what they are we believe that they're gonna have ample room to run and, and things of that nature. But I, I think looking back at it, Katron Allen is such a good player who probably doesn't get his due just because of we we think we know so much about the running backs and that's, that's fine. Um, so I really like what I saw from him. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table, what those two guys can bring to the table as a running game. Uh, I think it's uh I think it's got potential to be big time and it's going to help those quarterbacks a lot. And, uh, you know, when they, when they start scheming for actual defenses, like that's, that's a weapon to have him as a receiver. They don't throw a ton to the, to the running backs, but to have those guys available as receivers, uh, makes you feel better about the, the entire offense. Yeah. I think with, especially with as vertical as Mike Yersich likes to get things with the receivers, having a couple guys that can leak out an underneath coverage, uh, that's a huge benefit, you know, to have yeah. that and, ability and to check yeah. down. We've typecast him as a as fat man, essentially, like the between yeah. the tackles runner. So he's a he's a talented all around back. So I think that that's worth noting. Um, you know, we talk so much about you know Nick is the home run a hitter, Katron the down to down guy, but Katron's pretty talented all around back. So I was I was excited to see um, you know him sort of pop up in that receiver role this week. Uh, Nate, do you have anybody? I don't know. I don't think anybody that like truly stands out. I thought that some of James's mentions after the game were kind of intriguing just because um, in, in terms of the receivers, right? He like he, mm -hmm. he brought up Malik McLean, which I don't know if if he's a guy that's at the forefront of anybody's minds right now, just based on the spring and, and the winter. Yeah. What, what's that? I said only if you don't mention him, then then he's at the forefront of their minds. Okay, well then, <laughs> fine. Uh, but no, Malik McLean, I thought had a, a couple of nice catches. Uh, obviously, Caden Saunders uh, is a guy who I think fan sentiment is like waiting. Right? It, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's almost like they're just impatient. Fans are impatient for uh, him to get going, but. You know, again, young guy who has had some work to do, I think, in the weight room. I think that's fair nutrition-wise uh, to, to get bigger, more durable, uh, you know, kind of climb that level to become distinctive. And so mm -hmm. coming out with four catches, 57 yards, I thought that was uh, a pretty good afternoon for him. So there, there's, again, <laughs> like James Franklin saying it, um, and we talked about this after the, the game, but them believing that there are six guys currently in that room that can play at this level and can do can fulfill and be those types of receivers indicates kind of where like it's not for a lack of talent or playmaking ability or or the ability to catch the ball it's simply can they do it every down can they do things that distinguish themselves and you know obviously Saturday afternoon, a couple of those guys had some opportunities and took advantage of it. 
Caden was one guy I went back and I, I didn't have a favorable opinion of his performance despite the catches coming out of the game because of some of the miscommunication between him and Aller. Um, that being said, going back, he did have some really tough catches. Some of those, you know, talk about the getting behind the defense in those two high safety situations. He did a great job of coming down with some really tough acrobatic catches. So I, I agree with you there. That's that's a good one. Two two guys but, stood out but to that's me. Kinda, that's kind of him in a nutshell. Just what Nate said, right? Down to down, like... Uh, you know, there was one, there was one where he was running an out pattern and he flattened yep. out his route and he's supposed to come back a little bit. And they had that conversation, you know, he and Drew had that conversation. That's, that's the little things that are going to get him where he needs to be. And, you know, he showed, I don't think, I don't think he's there yet. So yeah. I think that that's logical to jump to that. Um, you know, he caught the ball, caught the ball away from his body. I thought that was well, uh, something he did well, which, you know, he hasn't typically done over the years. So like, I think that that's been a good step of progress, but you're right. Nate said it, um, how do you distinguish yourself among this group and what has he done for that? I still think he's got steps to go. So I think you're, I think you're both on it. It's a, it's all about consistency with a guy like that. Yeah. Two guys that stood out to me. Um, one really didn't have a whole lot of plays, but Daquan Hardy, I thought was much more confident than he was last season. I, the way he played in this game looked like the guy from 2021. So I'm, I want to see more there. I want to see because him being more involved on third down changes the numbers and changes some of the things with the players you want to have on the field. Um, and, and I think for if you are uh, Manny Diaz, you'd love to have that weapon of the ultimate slot corner to cover guys and be super sticky down the field. If he can recover that, I think it's another weapon for the defense. And then I'm always high on Landon Tangwall. And I was happy to see he looked more like himself in this game, a little more power, Looked a little more confident than I've seen um, from his play in the last uh, couple times we saw him on the field in the regular season. So for me, those are the guys when I went back and I watched and saw a little bit different, something I was looking for from uh, from those plays. Do you have a specific, and this will be the last thing, this is kind of a fun thing. Do you have a play of the game, something that was like sticks with you after the game? Fitz, you got something? Oof, uh, aside from the touchdown, not particularly. Uh, the, the the pass from Prabula up the side of the wheel route. Um, I love really that good. One. Um, Johnny Dixon's hit of Liam Clifford. Do we see Liam after that? That was a, that was a, uh, that was a shot. Uh, was it, was it Dixon? It was Dixon, right? Yeah, it was Dixon. I can't okay. remember if he was in the game. He didn't get another catch for sure, but I don't remember yeah, if he, I, knew he I think he was catch. in the game a little bit later doing swing passes and things like that. Yeah. So, um, in terms of like, I don't want to say a boring game, like, but there, there was a lot that went on in a shorter period of time, but nothing that was overwhelming. I mean, the score was 10, nothing. Let's, let's not get ahead of yeah. ourselves here. So yeah. um, there was some of that. Um, I like to follow the comical things. You mentioned Bo falling down on his butt. That was great. Um, but other than that, no, not really. Tyler Zansky had a good game uh, snapping. I'll, I'll go back to that. And, uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of where I'm at with blue white. Uh, I mean, it's a, it, it, the thing to remember. And I think we're, I'll underplay it here because it's one of 15 practices. Like the, and we mm -hmm. get a glimpse into it. Some guys might have a bad day. Some guys might have a good day. Um, not getting too high or too low one way or the other. But in terms of play of the games, it's it's tough to come away um, with that or anything that Dan, denied Dennis Sutton did do because he was freaking a monster. Yeah. Fitz, do you, do you want to contribute or do you want to pass? You feel free to pass if you want. No, I want. I mean, he just set me up perfectly. The, I, I actually put it in my highs and lows that the best hit was – not on a tackle it was and i understand that johnny dixon hit has to probably take the cake here but uh denied unloading on katron allen in the backfield on the play that uh drew kept it 
and yeah. he ended up, I don't know, 10 yard run, whatever, whatever it was. But then I just kind of knifed through and blew him up. It, I, I don't know. To, to me, stuff like that is, uh, it's not just that he has the ability to get there. It's that he has the ability to inflict damage when he does. Yeah. Right. Like that combination of things. If, if, uh, if Katron is the quarterback in that situation, you can foresee, uh, some havoc things happening, uh, on the other end of those hits. Yeah. I would say, um, my answer was, was the same as Fitz's of the, uh, the throw to Mari Evans in the, in the high red zone, get him down to the goal line. That was a great throw by Perbula. Really just in between two zones has to throw it with timing and pace. I love that play. Um, the other one was the very first play of the game where, uh, you know, you've got Denai coming off the edge and tipping the ball out of the quarterback's hands for an incomplete pass on the very first play because that set the tone for what was going to happen for the rest of the day. Uh, Steven says, thanks as always for the coverage. Appreciate you, buddy. I always appreciate you being here. And David says his um, his play of the game was Amari shoving Storm Duck to the ground for a touchdown. <laughs> I thought that was comical as well. We had, uh, we had a, a bit of a conversation about that on the Lion's Den message board about whether or not we should be concerned about that or not. I was like, it's just funny. Like he straight up shoved him to the ground and they gave him the touchdown. I, I, I think one thing that that gets overlooked a little bit during a game like this is we're we're, we're talking about all these guys and yes, Drew uh, Aller right is is going to be significant and Catron Allen they're going to be significant. Some of those contributors to the game itself were are, are expected to be very significant, but a lot of the guys that are expected to be significant didn't have anything to do with it right like we weren't calling abdul carter's name most of the afternoon we weren't calling um you know some of those guys that you would anticipate are going to have a a, a pretty huge role uh on this team this season so i think it speaks a little bit to the depth that they're developing right that they have options not just to make plays with those top line guys but there's some pretty talented guys uh sitting just beneath the surface there in the second team at least on the defense yeah, yeah, it's fun to watch guys like Tamir Robinson, um, Elliot Washington flashed a couple of times. Um, who am I missing? Oh, Flowers was out there a couple, a few times. And yeah. Um, so he's got, he looked tiny. I mean, he looked very, very skinny, uh, which, you know, that's been Makai his whole career. So, um, but no, he looked, looked, looked pretty solid. So, I mean, they just keep stacking dudes on that defensive side of the ball. And that's, uh, that's fun to watch. Um, it's so funny because you, we, we just talked about underrated guys. And Nate and I went, back to offense, even though, you know, how do you underrate that offense that really didn't do a ton on Saturday? Um, the, the defense is just like the expectations of the defense are so high that we don't even really consider them to be underrated or anything like that. Yeah. A uh, couple of guys I pointed out earlier this week, you can check out bluewhiteillustrated.com. Great uh, time to remind you of all the stuff coming up because we, we will be getting to the transfer portal in just a little bit, but there's going to be information you need and bluewhiteillustrated.com sign up now, twenty nine ninety nine through the end of the season. We're only on here twice a week and we only really talk about the, the Penn State football team here on this Wednesday show. So if you want the information, it all flows through bluewhiteillustrated.com first. Uh, one thing we got to get to that I'm always happy to do here on the show is talk to you about our sponsor, and that is Rogue Shop. Rogue Shop is the uh, small batch craft cannabis farmers from Wisconsin. We talk about them here on the show all the time. Mr. Rogan Shar from uh, uh, Eclair, Eclair. Washington. I don't know how to pronounce French words. Anyway, Eau Claire, uh, Wisconsin, you just... <laughs> butchered every part of that but go on 
Good. All right. Well, the main thing you need to know is that RogueShop.com is here to help you live a better life and to help you with um, your ability to thrive is the word I want to use because they help you with uh, any sort of malady that can be cured or helped with CBD and cannabis. One of the health and wellness salves, they have lip balms, bath soaks, hemp soap, CBD flour, hot cocoa, if uh, if that uh, tickles your fancy. All these different ways you can ingest um, THC and CBD to help you live a better life, whether it is pain, inflammation, joint stiffness. Um, uh, they, they've got something for everybody. And if you use the promo code BWI for 10% off at rogueshop.com, I'm reading it just like you at the bottom of the screen because uh, I need to make sure I remember these things to say them correctly because if you don't use the right promo code, you don't get 10% off. BWI for 10% off at rogueshop.com. Uh, okay, so let's get to our next part of the show, which uh, I really enjoy this part, where we get to talk to James Franklin and read between the lines. They have both gotten with All right, gentlemen, our first conversation with James Franklin has to do with something that happened pregame, which is the national Asking anthem. me what he can do with the pipes? Uh yeah, well, that's you know, out of my area of expertise. I'm just kidding. That's not. We're not talking about that today. What we are talking about is the transfer portal window. He was. <laughs> I just scared everybody on screen. I. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody I was going to do that. We are talking about the transfer portal and uh, what Penn State is looking for now that camp has broke. I, I think we're in a good place right now, but I, I I think we need some more depth and more competition at D tackle. I think we um, need some more depth and competition at wide receiver because I do think we could get by West Virginia or by game four or game five. I think we could have six guys that we feel good about, but it's not competitive. Right now, we're, we're trying to figure out who the third is, although a guy stepped up today. Um, I, I want, I want to, there to be legitimate competition at, at every position. Um and then besides that, we won't turn down a great player at any position, at any position. So, um, you know, we'll, you know, the coaches were talking about the phones are buzzing. It's it's all over the place right now. It's crazy. I addressed it with our team in the locker room afterwards. So this has been something I find interesting coming out of the game is that it kind of feels like a little bit out of one side of the mouth, one side of the other. Like we believe in the guys we have, but we want more guys. So you have Dante Cephas, who's about to commit to Penn state here in may. Uh, are they adding more? And does that, what does, does that say something to uh, you about Malik McLean and how they feel that has gone so far this spring fits? Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, I think that he has, kind of been the guy that they like remember when he committed we were saying he's probably not a guy to step on right away he's got to get you know accustomed to this new speed all that kind of stuff and then he showed up in a 4-4 was fantastic you know it's great um and then the expectations went up a little bit and i think he performed to the expectations that we originally had for him but you know they went up naturally they went up after he got on campus started working out and things like that so i think that that is kind of where he sits in that maybe 2024 is is a time for him to uh to be a guy but i don't think he's there yet so 
I, it, it, I have a tough time interpreting this one because number one, he can't talk about Dante Sivas. Dante Sivas is supposed to be here next month. Like he can't talk about him in the sense that he's already committed part of the team, whatever. Yeah. Like he can't talk about that. But at the same time, they've looked at three receivers before. Like you look back to the transfer portal window. They had talked about that. I mentioned Gary Bryant the other day on the, on the show, like they will keep looking for guys that are dudes that can play right away. Um, Will you find them in the spring transfer portal? I have my doubts on on like unless it's a guy that they've been watching for a long, long time. Probably not. But um, you know they're, they're going to take the opportunity to reach out to do their due diligence and and you know this is also team building. This is also building that twenty twenty four roster, building that twenty twenty five roster. Do you bring in a guy that's got three years left that can maybe be in the back end of that rotation? But at the same time, you're looking for for the future. So that's the way I see it. Uh, you know that that you're not pigeonholing yourself into just finding guys that are going to help you right away. And I know that kind of sounds kind of stupid because that's kind of what the transfer portal has been all about for Penn state is guys that can help them right away. Um, but I think that that there's an opportunity there. They, they offered two offensive linemen coming out of the portal, like, or that just went into the portal this week. So do they need offensive linemen? You look at the scholarship breakdown, not technically, but they're not going to turn, turn guys down that they think can play here and can play well here. So um, you're trying to address future situations, maybe offensive tackle in 2024 is a great example. Like your Caden's going to be gone. Olu's going to be gone. You got Drew Shelton back. You've got a couple of guys that you think maybe are developmental guys, but you have an opportunity to start in 2024. Now, is that the best selling point for a guy that's in the portal right now? Probably not, but you're going to make your shot and uh, or shoot your shot and trying to see if that can work out. I'm very curious to see if they look at maybe a kicker, uh, maybe an underclassman corner, you know, the, the positions that you don't really think about, what's going to make it tough is they're at the edge of the scholarship limit right now. Like the, yeah. there's going to have to be attrition to add more guys. Do you play that balancing act? Do you walk that line? Uh, that's the biggest question that I have right now. And, you know, is it, is it much different to take a wide receiver or to take an offensive tackle? I, I, I don't know. So I think that there is definite interest. They have these guys researching, watching tape. Uh, I don't want to say over scouting, but like doing a heck of a lot of legwork for, probably a small return um, in terms mm -hmm. of guys that go into the portal, guys that are already in the portal, things like that. So I'm very curious to see which direction they go to. I, I, I think they're going to explore all options and, and they kind of owe it to themselves to do it. This is not free agency in the sense of like NFL free agency, but it's as close as you're going to get to uh, in, in the college game to trying to plug holes when you can. And that's what they're doing. Nate, you mentioned moving the goalposts after the, after the game on, uh, Saturday, do you, just for people here, kind of re readdress what you were talking about there, and how you think that it's not bad. If, if I'm remembering what you said correctly, like they feel like they found something out, but they also want more now. Is that kind of an accurate description of what you were talking about? Also, your mic is muted. Sorry, Fitz was on a roll. I just didn't want to. Yeah, anyway. Um... No, I think I think that the the conversation throughout the spring going into the spring was we need to find a third. We need to find a third. We need to find a third. That was the hammering at home because Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace had kind of separated themselves early in the process, whether that was even before spring practice started or certainly during spring practice at the beginning of spring practice. Uh, and then by the end of the day on Saturday, it was, you know, we really need six. We like we're we're trying to have a room where there's six and that there's legitimate competition and there's um, you know all of the things that he just said right is 
getting that room into a place where it's it's not so important that there's someone who pushes Keandre Lambert Smith, although that would be good, certainly. More important that there's legitimate options all pushing each other at mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, right? Like that, that little the- in the middle. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think you you make a really great point there, and I want to bring this up. Uh, Fitz, we talked about this this spring of Keandre Lambert Smith playing in the slot. Um, is that going to happen? Is he going to play outside? And we saw a good bit of him playing in the slot during the blue-white game. So I think that's interesting that y- you talk about the position and wanting to push guys. And to me, like the slot is fine. It's do you have guys that can push your young Amari Evans and that can push Harrison Wallace on the outside? Because James Franklin's also talked about we need a guy that can break a tackle and go 80. And it's harder to do that from the slot just on average, you know, I know that the slot is much more valuable than it used to be. And guys are, you know, teams are putting their best player in the slot more frequently. But when he talks about like game breakers, he's talking about out wide, you break a tackle, you go 80. So does that also then narrow what you're looking for in the portal? If you do add another guy with uh, Cephas coming in, you're looking for somebody who specifically can play on the outside. Is that a fair, like, we're done with slot. We feel good about that. We want somebody who can come in and be that big time guy on the outside. I think they would lean that way. I don't think you put your, I, I, first off, you do yourself a disservice by saying we're only looking for outside guys at this point. They did that. And not that they did that, but they, they got McLean who was an outside guy all the way. Um, but Keandre's an inside out guy. Uh, you look at the other slot guys, Caden's in there. Uh, Liam Clifford's in there. You, you've got some other guys that, you know, kind of work through that. Um, and, you know, Keandre probably an inside out guy, you know, of that group. So, mm-hmm. I don't really think that's the thought process. I think the okay. thought process is who who gives us the best chance to rotate through. Um, they think that Cephas is an outside guy. They think that Cephas is a guy that can go the distance. Like he, they think he's really good. Um, is he going to live up to those expectations? We don't know. He's not here yet. So um, I think that you've put yourself in a position where you're just trying to add. It's sort of a BPA situation. You know, it's draft season, so we'll talk about best best player available. So whether that guy is. 510 whether that guy is 63 I, I kind of think of it's a, it's irrelevant if he just can't get the job you know if he can't get the job done so right. that's where I would go with that I would lean outside yes but I don't think you pigeonhole yourself into one uh, specific uh uh one of those positions sorry right I, I, that's a really great point especially when the portal you don't know what you're going to get you don't know what's you don't going in anyway yeah. yeah um so we are going to be getting into the mailbag here in just one second but I want to give you guys a chance if you have any last thoughts about the portal uh, and also to give our, our chat here a chance to uh, think up some good questions. we got some good ones here coming up from the Lions and Meshes Forum, but if you're in the chat right now, uh, leave your question and we'll get to the best ones during our next segment and uh, we'll be getting to that in the BWI mailbag. Uh, guys, any last thoughts on the portal that you want to button up before we get to the mailbag? Not on the portal, but Penn State is like doing really well in Wisconsin and recruiting and you just butchering uh, a name of the town and also the state like it, it looks pretty bad on us. So, you know, you got to work on that before before next week when Corey Smith announces, <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Um, I, I probably in my head, I know how to say it. But then the first time I've ever said uh, a Claire Washington, Washington. We're moving on.
none of our questions, as far as I know, come from Wisconsin today, so I am safe. Our first question from uh, the BWI message forum, which again, subscribe bluewhiteillustrated.com to get there. Since the quarterbacks were under pre- so much pressure, is that Manny Diaz's scheme, the defensive line having a strong pass rush, or a poor offensive line performance? This is something we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the show, but I don't think we've really given it the either-or treatment of... Um, are you more concerned about the offensive line coming out of that game? Or are you more excited about the defensive line, Nate? Cause this is always the nature of your team versus your team is, is there a problem or is there a huge, is there a huge uh, plus bonus on one side? It, it's both, right? <laughs> let's, let's be realistic about this. Uh, the offense is supposed to be behind the defense right now, period. It's just, it's harder to do. There's more stuff. It's complex. Uh, and frankly, they didn't have Olu Fashanu on the field. Like, he makes a big difference. Uh, that said, is Denied Dennis Sutton poised to be really good? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that Zariah Fisher is a guy who probably didn't get enough attention from Saturday, right? Yep. He's he's back, and he's going to he's gonna be a guy who contributes there at that, at that defensive end uh, position. So, no, I think, I think there – you can acknowledge – the talent that is there on the defensive side of the ball while simultaneously acknowledging that the starting offensive tackles that those guys are going to see in the big 10 are probably better than some of the guys that they were facing on on Saturday who are largely reserves, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not the starters. So, um, and simultaneously on the offensive line, it's the same deal. Right. That offensive line will be better in the fall because they're going to have all of their pieces. <laughs> they're going to be the right pieces in the right places. And they're going to be uh, farther along in their development. All of that stuff will help. So I, I'm I'm going to call it a, a, a Switzerland. It's neutral. I, yes. Not surprised that Nate has taken the neutral position. <laughs> oh, ho-hum. Hem and haw. <laughs> yeah. That's just me. Uh, Fitz, what do you think? Uh, tackles back, uh, t- tackles number two and three need to be better. Like there's no mm-hmm. getting around that. I don't think um, that like we kind of know what Caden is at this point. And, you know, regardless of the things that you hear, like he's still, you know, I, I think it's pretty well out there that he's that that's the way he's been the last couple of years. So he needs to get, be better. Drew, um, you know, you, you worry about the things that you hear about him on the right side. Like James came out and said that he doesn't say that like that pointed criticism all that often. So um, I think he's, he's definitely got to get better, but I mean, that defense, it was (laughs) blitzing from all levels, which was crazy in a spring game. But at the same time, uh, those defensive ends really made, made them look, uh, made them look tough. But I think having a top five to top 10 NFL draft pick that left tackle is going to help them. So I don't, I hate to take Nate's point here and run with it, but uh, I think they're going to, they're going to be better. I think they'll be okay. Um, they'll, They'll be able to, uh, mix in a little bit more of the run game. I think Penn State, you know, stayed away from the run game this week, kind of keep their guys up, keep their keep their running backs healthy. So defense, I don't want to say they knew what was coming, but you really didn't have a diversified attack to deal with there. So uh, I think that that helps. So um, I, I lean neutral in the sense that this was a spring scrimmage and they're going to get pieces back. They're going to be fine. Nate, you're right. Good job. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm excited. At the same time, I'm excited for the defense, the pass rush. Like we didn't see a ton from chop and Adisa, but I think we know what those guys can do. So I'm, I'm excited yep. to see the pass rush um, without it being 
that that's the thing. Like we do this all the time. Every year we do this. It's like, okay, one side had an advantage. So let's harp on the side that got beat and say that they're going to be awful. They're not going to be awful. I think they're going to be fine. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with that uh, O-line, D-line discussion. I, I will say and uh, to the point you started with, tackles two and three have to be better. And yeah. the 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 consistency of what we've seen from them is, I think, the concern is that um, I'm not going to say uh, Shel- Drew Shelton didn't get better, but it wasn't evident in that game against those players. And do they have enough to get through every game in the Big Ten? Yeah. But they are going to face guys of similar talent at the specific schools that we always harp on. And in those games, that right tackle position, I'm going to be watching it. So, like, I don't think that has changed. The offensive line overall can get better, and I do think that they will get better. But that right tackle position still feels, especially with Jimmy Chris going in the portal, not saying he would fix any or all of these issues but like just the thinness at tackle is still a presence on this roster so that would be one area where i would say like i'm i would lean more concerned that there was not more of a fight from those guys uh on saturday but i mean deny dennis sutton i i knew he was good i knew he was working on his weaknesses i don't know that i expected him to make that sort of transition so quickly that, Eli that, one here. Hurt. that one hurt because I, that, that round table that we did the day before, like I had it typed up or, or like the first sentence or two, it was about deny. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do the secondary. It's easy. They're, they're good, whatever. And I deleted it. And I was like, man, come on. Yeah. You had that one. You had that this guy. Well, okay. I mean, if you read our notes last week, you, you would know that deny was the top performer all spring. So like, this is not a, this was not a sudden bursting out period for him. He was, he was pretty darn good. And that's, you know, director of the hype train since he was in high school. Like that's kind of where I'm at with him and, and KJ Winston, but like those guys, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, Eli here. I, I don't know if I have anything. Cause the only play I remember from Jackson was him fumbling the snap, but uh, Eli wants to know thoughts on the small amount you saw from Jackson Smolik. Uh Nate, do you remember anything from Jackson Smolik you want to point out? Nope. All right. How about you, Fitz? Anything? I mean, he threw one pass, didn't he? Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's a super chat. And I I got nothing. Like I yeah, I, I remember him being in the like I remember physically seeing them, and I remember someone texting me and saying 14 is out there, and I'm having a like a flashback uh, <laughs> PTSD moment. Um, but no, I I don't have anything. Uh, the the thing I will say about Jackson is like I think he's he's a little bit uh, stronger than they expected um, in terms of throwing pushing the ball down the field. Good release, good deep ball, um, which is you know that wasn't his scouting report that wasn't his mo he's the the athlete that could get it done short accuracy so him throwing the ball downfield um they, they were happy with this spring um whether we see any of that anytime soon i don't know but that's kind of like where we're at with uh with scouting smolik um he just he just looks so young and so small next to those other guys that are not much older i mean just yeah. a year older but they you see the difference in a weight program from for those two uh sophomores versus that incoming freshman uh, that just got here so he'll continue to develop i think they feel good about where he is i mean it's not a situation where he came in and was like we got to go start looking for another quarterback um i think this is a you know it's he's got the physical tools to make it work so um no real insight on his blue white game but uh that hopefully that covers what we did thank you for the yeah. uh, the super chat i i i 
think that his shoulder injury really obscures what he was as a, as a passer because a lot of what he put on tape was he still was recovering from that injury. So uh, it's encouraging to see that progress and uh, arm strength get stronger. And you're right. I remember when Bo Prabula looked like that last year, and now he's the guy that looks bigger and stronger. So Blackheart8541 uh, had a very long and thoughtful question on the message board. It boils down to this. Which campus arrivals coming up from the freshman class are you most excited for on both sides of the ball and why? I know I personally can't wait to see Dakari Nelson. So, uh, Nate, do you have anybody that you are interested in when they arrive to campus and how they're going to fit or some of the guys that I know this is not your area of expertise, but having listened to Fitz and I talk about these guys, is there anybody you're interested in seeing? Uh, King Mac. It's a good one. That's a name, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I, get it. I, I I appreciate that you listen. Like that makes me happy that you listen, Nate. That's great. I think no, he's there's some high expectations there, right? Yeah, like he's, he's got a, a great name. So good put it put it all together. Great name, high expectations. I'm excited. Boom. I answered. Well, Blackheart took mine because I'm very excited for Dakari Nelson. Uh, Fitz, anybody uh, on the defensive side? And then we can go both talk about Andrew Rappelier on the offensive side. But anybody on the defensive side you want to point out? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Okay. First off, I can't wait to see the safety line that has Dakari Nelson beside King Mac because that is going to be humorous. It's going yeah. to be uh, 6-3 against 5-9.5. Um, King Mac is really put together. So is Dakari Nelson. I mean, it's going to be like the the, the Sean Oakman meme. Like it, that that's going to be the difference there. Um, defensively, I don't know. I think uh, Jamil Lyons is interesting. Uh, I don't foresee him breaking through and playing as a freshman, especially with what they have at defensive end. But pushing six five two forties, you know, he's he's got a lot to like there. Um, still curious to see. Long run is he still a defensive end? Can he handle it? Can he play it like two seventy? Like I could see that. I could see mm -hmm. that. Or does he eventually slide inside? So um, since you guys took the safeties, the easy answers, uh, go with Jameel Lyons because I'm really excited to see what he can put together, knowing what we've, we've seen from him on tape, knowing what we've seen from him from an athletic standpoint. Uh, I think he's going to continue to grow. I think he'll be a, possibly a better college player than he was a high school player. The, the other guy I'm curious about, just maybe not as far as impact this year, but Mason Robinson's done a great job of physically putting it together this offseason. Just I, I saw a photo. I, I apologize. I should have had it up here uh, of him at the blue white game and like his biceps are just twice the size they were before. So putting in that work of that was really what he needed to do to be part of the conversation. The defensive end line is way too deep for him to be a part of the like rotation this year. But in terms of being able to get to college and handle it, um, interested just to see kind of where some of these guys are on that perspective. Um, our next question here. Uh, if you got something in the chat that you want, let me know. We're going to go to one of, uh, of our questions here. This one, coming back to you, Fitz, this is, uh, I, I have absolutely no knowledge on this one personally, but I have heard you talk about this before. Uh, a little bit longer question. Beaver Hill says, early in his tenure, James Franklin and the staff seem very uh, preoccupied with the optics of missing unoffered players, whether in PA or elsewhere. Last five years, the staff has gotten more comfortable increasing the number of offers and losing recruits they may have offered. Do you have insight on how uh, this has changed recruiting philosophy? This goes into the the offer lists, right, Fitz? You've talked a little bit about this before on the recruiting show. So for people here on uh, the live show, when we talk more about the the team side, what's the what's the what's going on there as a part of that math? 
So this is a change, not just at Penn State, but nationally. Like the the offer lists have gotten out there because I think it has become so ingrained in the culture of recruiting in terms of social media, in terms of getting those, you know, the visibility from these offers and things like that. And on top of that, you know, with with COVID, you didn't get a chance to travel as much. You didn't get a chance to evaluate as much, but you could still have that contact. You could still make kids, I don't want to say feel wanted, but you could give them the scholarship offer and they would you know, consider you like it, it used to be, you have these scholarship offers and you have the written scholarship offers. Those are the ones that matter, whatever. Um, even though they were no different, there's no legally binding written scholarship, verbal scholarship, whatever. Um, and that was at one point in your recruitment. Now that has accelerated to basically, if you want to get in on a kid, you're probably going to have to offer him before much of the, not evaluation, but much of the conversation happens between the two sides. So, you see a lot of this where guys talk to schools for the first time, they walk away with a scholarship offer. Um, and then you see a lot of it where guys do that and then you don't hear from them again. Like that's kind of how it works. So it, it's now um, it, it's now a tool in terms of getting guys to campus because that's the logical next step is getting guys to campus, getting your in-person, getting your eyes on him, getting an evaluation there. So I, I think that it's changed nationally. Where it goes for Penn State, Yes, they did take some guys early in that tenure where you could say they were preoccupied with the stars. Like, and we had this discussion on the board yesterday. Coaches pay attention to, to recruiting rankings. Like, I know they they don't want to admit it. Some do. Uh, some do right off the bat. Whatever, um, but they do. Like that. That that's not to say that that's their evaluation. I think it was Randy Shannon's Miami team that got in trouble for this in terms of like offering every kid that was in the rivals 250 or whatever. And then, you know, some of them sucked. It, it, that's how it worked. And then they, you know, blamed the recruiting services for it, which was even crazier. Um, this is data. This is part of an evaluation. Like this is taking this and seeing what someone else is not seeing or, or not seeing what someone else is seeing. Like this is how you work into um, getting a full evaluation of the prospect. And like I was mentioning yesterday in the board, say we re- say we rate a kid pretty high and a school like saw them, wasn't crazy about them. That school's going to go back and take another look and say, what do we miss? And, you know, seven times out of 10, they're going to be like, I think we're okay with this. But you know, other times we see them change their, change their direction and go, go with it. I don't think it's a sense of schools are offering guys because of that number of stars that they have, but it's gotten so, so far out there. It's gotten so popular. It's gotten so much into like, these people following recruiting 12 months a year that, you know, there's some, some external pressure with that. And then there's relationship pressure with guys that run seven on seven teams in Florida. You know, it's just like all these different entities that come into it. So as I'm rambling here, what I'm trying to say is like, you're not trying to get left at the dock here. You're not trying to Mm -hmm. to miss out on something. And so you're going to do all the research that you can. That's why they have these big staffs. That's why they have these, these things. Um, what it comes down to is how do, how confident are you in your evaluation evaluation in the long run? And I think they've gotten better at that. Penn State is sort of uh, one of those schools that you look to and say, Penn State has offered, there's probably something there. On the flip side, now they've offered 400 kids in this cycle. So it's kind of different. Yeah. Um, Pennsylvania is interesting to me. I think they've offered 30 kids in Pennsylvania. Might be able to take 10 of them. Like if it's like if you if you widen your your parameters there, um, so it also helps with relationships. You look at where some of these kids come from that have the offers, and you you're offering four or five kids at a school. Probably not going to take four or five kids, but definitely not going to take four or five kids at a school. But it helps your relationship. It helps you maybe with the 2026 prospect that you're looking at from that school. So 
there's a lot that goes into it that's more than just a check mark beside a guy's name or beside a school's name. So um, it, it's all about like fleshing out that evaluation process, being sure of it. And when you're sure of it, that's when you kind of take the next step, get them on campus, maybe work them out, do, do all this kind of stuff that takes it to the next level. Um, you know, I hate dating analogies, but it's just like, you know, there's a difference between a first date and getting engaged. You know, there's, there's, there's levels to this. So that's what I would say about this. Um, Penn State's done a really nice job. I, th- I feel like early on in the tenure, they felt like they had to take more Pennsylvania guys. I feel like mm-hmm. they had to. Um, to build those relationships, right? Yeah. To to kind of establish themselves to, to establish themselves more. So like to, to James Franklin comes out and says, dominate the state. Like that puts you, that puts expectations on that, uh, like that, that weren't there before. Like, and maybe they were there subconsciously, but like it puts it out there. And every time he loses somebody in the state, somebody rubs that in his face. Like it comes out with that sound bite. So, um, that, that's kind of where it changes with Pennsylvania, I think it now you're offering 30 kids. It helps that those kids get out there. And, and right. for the most part, these coaches, these high school coaches have an idea that the kid can't play at Penn state. Like if one of those, those other 20 or other 15 or whatever. So, but it helps them. It helps them get that, that out there. It, it, it's always funny to me because I feel like we're in picked over season right now. So like every tweet you see, with a kid committing somewhere, um, you know, for example, Donovan Harbor picked Penn or picked Penn State over Ohio State, over Wisconsin, over Michigan, you know, like all those things. And that's why I, I stay away from that because, like, you don't know where they're at in their evaluation. You don't know where they're at mm-hmm. on the board and, unless it's a situation where you've got a couple of official visits lined up or a couple of official visits that have happened. It's so hard to say that. And, you know, you get a lot of little spin on the other side as well. So, that's kind of where I'm at with this question. I think it's a very good question. I think it's a very broad based question because so many things have changed in the last, I was going to say five years, but like even three years, like post COVID um, with expectations, with evaluations and things like that. You look at Penn state's class of 2021 and they really needled those evaluations, not the sense that they got them all right, but there were guys on that list that wanted to come here. I saw Landon Watson went to the portal from TCU this week. Like he wanted to come to Penn State. Penn State didn't want to take that chance on a guy they really didn't know about. Corey Kiner, the running back from that went to LSU, is I think he's now at Cincinnati. Like the, there were guys that wanted to jump on board, but they were so conservative with what they were doing. If you didn't run a forty for them, like if you didn't have a, t- a track time on on file, they didn't want to take you until they had the opportunity to scout you. So. I don't know that that's going to like, I, I think Penn state's class of 2021 is, was more researched than any before it and any since it. And I think that that's a really interesting case study to look at and see how they did in terms of evaluating how they, how they approached it in terms of evaluation. So I think that's a pretty cool um, way to look at things from a, from an outsider perspective. Um, you're never going to see the actual board and things like that, but we do a pretty good job here at, at blue white. So um, continue to follow our coverage and I'm trying to, to wind my way out of it. Does anybody want to say anything? I'll jump, I'll jump in for you. How about that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got something from John Wallets here in the, in the chat, which, uh, um, I think kind of, uh, sorry, I was mesmerized by all the information you were giving us and I was learning quite a bit. John was as well. I think it's the first time I caught something streaming live on YouTube that genuinely interests me. So thank you, John. Thanks for being a new, uh, member here of our tribe at the BWI live show on Wednesday. We 
will be back next week. Um, it's the springtime. There are no more football games, no more practices to uh, cover. So we will be getting into some creative content. We'll also be mixing things up a little bit. Appreciate everything that Nate and Fitz have done so far this spring, giving us insight into practice, giving us their behind-the-scenes opinions on stuff. And uh, uh, just, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate you. Hey, it's our pleasure. I think I've said enough. So. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be back with any breaking news. We'll have some more fun stuff coming up on the YouTube channel. But of course, bluewhiteillustrated.com is where you get all of it. We'll be back next Monday with the recruiting show. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>